Hello, my name is Liam, and you're listening to Let's Nurture, the podcast. Today, we're going to cover a topic which has been gaining a lot of major buzz for the better half of the decade. Blockchain technology is still fairly new, but it's become a massive trillion-dollar industry, which has caught the imaginations of many. But what is a blockchain? How does it work? And why was it created? How can you make money with internet encryption? The history of blockchain technology has plenty of twists and turns. It's complex, confusing, and even at times, highly controversial. But we've broken down this captivating story of security, political intrigue and beliefs, high-level computing, and the relatively illegal early history of Bitcoin. Before we dive into the more technical aspects of blockchain technology, and by extension, Bitcoin, let's go over the history of the world's first cryptocurrency, starting with its murky origins. The idea of Bitcoin and blockchain is nothing new. In fact, the idea for awarding monetary sums to machines which could resolve computational problems was first proposed by cryptographers Cynthia Dwork and Moni Naur in 1992. A cryptographer is someone who either creates encryption codes or cracks them, either professionally or as a hobby. If you've ever seen a spy movie, you've likely seen some aspect of cryptography at work. This inadvertently led to the creation of Hashcash by Adam Back, which was released in 1997, and was utilized for controlling spam being sent to email inboxes by automatically indexing and deleting suspected spam messages. On August 18, 2008, long after Hashcash came on the scene, the domain name bitcoin.org was registered. Then, on October 31, 2008, a document was published by a man named Satoshi Nakamoto, titled, Bitcoin, a Peer-to-Peer Electronic Cash System, to various cryptography mailing lists, as well as the Bitcoin.org site. The paper detailed using peer-to-peer networks in order to create what was referred to as a system for electronic transactions without relying on trust. On January 3, 2009, the first Bitcoin network was launched, and the creator, Nakamoto, mined the first block, number zero, which rewarded him 50 Bitcoins. Less than a week later, the first open-source Bitcoin client was released by SourceForge on January 9th, 2009. Bitcoin continued to be mined by the still-anonymous Nakamoto, who, it's worth noting, is still anonymous to this day. There's roughly 8 to 10 people claiming to be the mysterious cryptographer. On August 6th, 2010, a major vulnerability in Bitcoin's protocol was pointed out. It allowed users to bypass Bitcoin's economic restrictions and create indefinite numbers of the currency. This created in 184 billion Bitcoins being created, but this transaction was later erased, and the bug was fixed on August 15th. This has, to date, been Bitcoin's only major security flaw. Bitcoin continued to receive many adoptions by businesses and private individuals alike over the next two to three years. However, in 2011, something would happen which would negatively impact the perception of blockchain and cryptocurrency for years. For those not familiar, 
The deep web makes up all the unindexed or otherwise private networks or sites that exist on the internet but aren't found through Google or Bing. There's also the dark web, which uses a series of layered VPNs to host otherwise unreachable sites that can be accessed fully anonymously, or as anonymously as technology will allow. These are sometimes referred to as .onion sites, after the name of Tor, the onion router, which is what people use to access the services. It would ultimately end up hosting one of the most infamous .onion sites in history, known as the Silk Road. The Silk Road functioned as an open-air, online drug marketplace, selling everything from psychedelic drugs to firearms to harder substances, such as cocaine or heroin. Behind this massive, billion-dollar operation was a user known only as Dread Pirate Roberts, who ran the site and message boards and regularly posted about libertarian political philosophy, which, he stated, was his purpose for creating the Silk Road in the first place. At its height, Silk Road was worth 144,000 bitcoins, or 6,372,878,400 dollars in 2021 U.S. currency. Ross William Ulbricht was formally arrested in 2013 for running Silk Road and given a life sentence in 2015 as a result, as well as Ulbricht contacting an undercover officer and conspiring to murder upwards of seven people who he assumed had stolen money from him or otherwise cost him business. No one ultimately died as a result of these murder-for-hire plots. However, the judge and jury in question used it as evidence to display that Ulbricht would utilize violence in order to continue his criminal enterprise, and thus validated his life imprisonment in addition to his drug trafficking charges. The Silk Road saga of Bitcoin's history altered public perception of the technology greatly, with many feeling the world of blockchain could only be utilized by bad actors for any number of illegal activities, including financing terrorism. Even today, blockchain is still a heavily debated concept in Congress, with many legislators looking to restrict or limit, or at the very least tax, the earnings off blockchain. But in order to properly contextualize the history of blockchain technology, we need to understand how it functions on a technical level as well. A blockchain, by definition, is any chain of blocks which contains data or information, typically related to a transaction. This helps to timestamp digital documents so they cannot be altered or backdated at a later date. Blockchain seeks to solve what's known as the double record problem, an issue in bookkeeping and finance where users are able to backdate or alter financial records for their own gain. Additionally, blockchain wants to do this without any central governing body, such as a bank or a federal government entity like the Federal Reserve. Because of this concept, cryptocurrency is typically referred to as decentralized finance. Additionally, blockchain technology can be used by businesses and individuals for the secure, encrypted transfer of data, money, contracts, and other intellectual property without the need of centralized third parties again, governments or banks. Blockchain is a software protocol with multiple parts. It can actually be run with or without a Wi-Fi or internet connection. 
Typically, a blockchain client will be composed of a database, a software application for tracking your assets, and possibly mining cryptocurrency, and the ability to see who is connected to your blockchain network or node. Let's also explain something quickly. Smart contracts, Ethereum blockchains, and Binance smart contracts are all relatively the same thing in concept. They simply refer to any financial currency or token whose contract can be actively viewed on a blockchain network. To break this down even simpler, while blockchain is not Bitcoin, it is the technology which powers Bitcoin. Similarly to how Ethereum blockchain is not the Ethereum token, but rather a network where Ethereum transactions are recorded. Subsequently, you can have a blockchain network without having it power a token or coin, but you cannot have a cryptocurrency coin or token which is not powered by a blockchain network. If this is all still a bit confusing, it's because there are still a few areas left to cover. The overall architecture of how blockchain works is also important. Let's explain what a block in this context is and how it functions. A block contains a storage of data, which will vary depending on the type of blockchain you're using. For example, Bitcoin blocks only contain information about senders, receivers, and the amount of Bitcoin transferred, whereas other currencies may record the date, time, and other unique identifiers to the transaction. When you start a cryptocurrency wallet to house your assets, you'll create what's known as a genesis block. This simply refers to any block in a chain that comes first. After this, you'll have a new block created and linked to the previous one each time you perform a transaction or make a record on the blockchain. With a bit of understanding of blocks, let's now get into hashing and encryption. This one can be a bit hard to follow, but it's key to understanding how currencies like Bitcoin maintain their high security. You see, when blocks are stored on a chain, they also get stored with what's known as a hash. This is a set of numbers and letters, which is essentially the fingerprint of the block. They're designed to be highly unique and identify the block and all of its contents. If changes are made to the block's data, the hash will be changed as well to maintain uniqueness. One of the most common hashing methods is known as the SHA-256 hash, which powers Bitcoin and its blockchain network. Let's remember, each block has its data, hash, as well as the hash of the previous block. To understand hashing, imagine we have a chain which is three blocks. The first block has no previous hash stored with it, but block two holds the hash of block one, and block three holds the hash of block two. This connects the blocks by containing their previous hashes, and this is the essence to how blockchain maintains its security. Let's use a hacker or phishing example to explain. Pretend someone is able to change the data which is present in block two. Because of this change, the hash of the block will also change in order to maintain its uniqueness. However, your third block will still contain the old hash from your second block. This causes block 3, as well as any blocks created afterward, to appear invalid on the blockchain network. It doesn't follow the train of hashes to authenticate the previous block. With large-scale blockchains, which can contain hundreds, if not thousands of blocks of data, this is especially effective at tracking when data has been altered through hacking or otherwise unauthorized access, 
and makes fixing errors much simpler. While hashes are useful to prevent tampering, they aren't foolproof. Attackers who know how to tamper with blocks, then recalculate hashes, can change other block hashes in order to make blockchain data valid again. In order to prevent this more sophisticated method of attack, blockchains utilize a concept known as proof-of-work, which can be used to slow down the creation of new blocks on a chain. Proof-of-work is done by providing complex computational problems, which take vast amounts of resources for a computer to solve. For example, it can take 10 minutes of calculating a proof-of-work statement through a Bitcoin miner in order to add a new block to a chain. This, in turn, helps to slow down bad actors on a blockchain network, as each change to a hash and block data would require at least 10 minutes. In addition, they would need to make these same 10-minute changes for each block. Clearly, this helps slow the spread of bad actors on the platform. One final way in which Bitcoin users protect themselves is the usage of the P2P network. Distributed peer-to-peer networks are simply made up of all connections on the blockchain network, with each connection making up what is called a node. When a user creates a new block, it's sent to all users on the network. From there, each node will need to verify the block and its hashes to make sure they haven't been altered. Each node then adds this block to their own blockchain and includes their hash. This creates what's known as consensus, a multi-person form of record-keeping which lets network owners know which blocks are valid and which have been altered. Nodes will typically reject blocks which have been tampered with. This is why Bitcoin as a whole has remained so secure. As a hacker would need to tamper with all the blocks on a chain, redo proof of work for each block alteration, and have control of 50% or more of a peer-to-peer network. I don't have to tell you why that sounds very difficult. Finally, let's get into how blockchain transactions work. Bitcoin transactions come in four steps. They begin by someone requesting a transaction, involving anything from cryptocurrency, deploying a smart contract or record, or simply documenting information in the form of a stored file or document. From there, the requested transaction gets broadcast to P2P networks using nodes. The nodes then validate the transaction, as well as the user's status, by utilizing a variety of complex algorithms, which use your computer's CPU. Once this transaction is fully verified, the new block is then added to the blockchain in an unalterable fashion. So, with all its complex tech behind it, as well as the rocky early days of the technology, what makes blockchain networks so appealing? Their resilience to unauthorized changes and bad actors, as well as reducing downtime and needed intervention time for fixing errors, are great points in blockchain's favor and its reliability and ability to house an unchangeable record of transactions is a valuable asset for almost any business looking to get control of their budget and financing. While Bitcoin might have a murky past, its wide adoption in recent years, as well as its solid platform and stellar security, shows us that this little coin that could might be here to stay. My name is Liam, and you've been listening to Let's Nurture, the podcast.